Welcome to the Heroes Church Podcast. Our vision is to build Christ-centered communities of imperfect people for the city. Now, let's listen to Pastor Z as he shares the scripture message. Hello and uh, welcome to our Sunday worship service today. It's our second of this month and I'm so excited to share with you today's message entitled, Praising God for His Acts of Love. And rightfully so, I want to greet all of you, whether you're single, you're married, or you don't even know how to feel about today, I want to greet you a happy Valentine's Day. And I hope that this message can be more encouraging to you than you have thought it to be. And as we talk about our God's love this morning, I pray that it will be relevant and challenging as we engage each other on this matter. Before I proceed, let's begin with a prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Psalms. Thank you that it's, it's an opportunity to study and learn more about how we can praise you, specifically with your acts of love. Lord, may we just surrender all our concerns, any anxieties, any troubles that we have, and may we just trust you. May this time be an intimate moment between you and your people so that we can experience your embrace and experience your loving hand. Bless me as I share your word. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Whenever we think of love, we think of good things. Think of positive things. We, we tend to think of warm, cheesy moments. Yet scripture teaches us that when it comes to love, more than adjectives, love is a verb. It denotes action. It proves itself with acts of love. And we see in the psalm a full display of how God acts to show his love for us. As I begin, let me share with you at least three ways, three things that God does revealed on this psalm that shows aspects, dynamics, or characteristics of his acts of love. And I pray that as we begin to look at this, we don't only pick one that is you know, meaningful for us, but we can consider it as part of a whole. So let's look at the first. This psalm, if you notice, goes on and has some repetitive phrases about praising God for his loyal love. And those are marker breaks for how you can capture a stanza. And on the first stanza, we find that one major act God has for us to manifest his love is security. God provides for us. In verses 1 to 7, if you look at your Bibles, you will see that the description here particularly from verses 3 to 4, are those about a scattered people, people who are sojourning, people who are displaced, people who are wandering in the wilderness. And in verse 4, it says, they have no city to dwell in. Now, what's, what's so rem uh, distinct about people not having a city is that people outside a city, which in those days are walled, normally elevated areas, 
they are out there scattered in the desert, in the wilderness, and they are in danger. Of what? Isolated in the desert, they are in danger from thieves. They are in danger from wild animals. They are in danger of a lack of supply for food or drink. And eventually, this leads them to exhaustion, potential sickness, and even death. So a life outside the city, a life outside protection, a life outside the security of a healthy economy is a sign of danger. And the Lord shows us here that he loves us because in the opening verses, he says, that when they cried out to the Lord in their trouble in verse 6, he delivered them out of his distress. And this talks about how God takes people who are outside the city and gathers them and gives them a home. So one way that the Lord shows his love for us is through security. Isn't this a big word for us today? Last year, the world was shaken because of the pandemic and what made us secure, the things that made us secure, our health, our resources, our jobs, our relationships, they've all been shaken. And so it's easy to relate to knowing what it feels to be hungry, to be dissatisfied, to be scared. And yet here, the psalm offers us hope that God is a God who can provide. Love is not only all about words. Love is not only about promises. It's also about capacity and the effort to give, secure, and provide. That's the first thing we find here. Now, the second is God is a God who saves us. He redeems us. He's a God of salvation. Look at verse 10. Those who sat in darkness in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons. And in verse 11, why? Because they rebelled against the word of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. You know, this psalm could actually be placed as a beautiful expression of how God provided, created the world. And that's why we find that God is a provider. He secures us. But in this good creation, we have sinned. We have fallen short. We have rebelled against God. We have challenged God. We have gone away from God. And in that natural flow of things, because we have rebelled, God, in verse 12, it says there, He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down. There was none to help. God uses hardship, chastisement, not necessarily to punish us, but to humble us, to show us that we are wrong, to show us that we need Him, to show us that in our darkness and in our distress, we can call on Him. And so we find here that, you know, the good God provides, the good God secures, but we just have sin. I'm not trying to simplify that. In fact, if you listen to our previous sermons, you know that when I talk about sin, it's a big thing. It's a serious thing. It's actually oftentimes bigger than what we think it is. So the sinfulness of our hearts actually brings us to our knees and eventually enslaves us. And if we only get what we deserve, that will be our end. But this psalm shows us that God delivers those of us in the shadow of death 
those of us in the darkness, he brings us out. And therefore, we have salvation. We have salvation. God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to stay where we deserve. A lot of us think that God is just all about good and he punishes those who are evil. And sometimes what comes our way is what we deserve. But actually, if you really think about it, that's not always true. We find that we all often wonder, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? Of course, that is not accurate with what the scripture says. The scripture says that there is no one that is good but God. But what I'm trying to say is sometimes when you're in the heat of things, this is how you feel. You feel challenged. You feel you're in the dark. And I think, you know, this this past couple of years, it's just been very difficult for us. I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, when we think about God and his love, that love redeems. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what mistake you caused, what mistake you've done, or what trouble you caused, or what danger you've experienced. God redeems us from the pits of life, and he saves us. And that's part of his love. He takes on us who don't deserve it, and he lifts us up. He brings us to a, a level that we haven't even experienced, and that is just what God's love is. Many times when we think about love and relationships, we oftentimes think, oh, you will get what you deserve. You, you're in a relationship that you deserve. If you treat me right, I will treat you right. If you treat me wrong, I will treat you wrong. We, we have a very contractual idea of love, but God's love is beyond our human understanding. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He redeems us, especially even after we rebel against him. And the third is, he protects us. He protects us. When you look at verses 21 onwards, you will find that it talks about people on a ship and they are doing business on the sea. But what happens is they experience a storm. They experience trouble. They experience danger. They experience distress. They experience threat to life. They experience a typhoon. And they're so scared. They're trying to be safe. They're trying to push against the sea. But of course, they know that it's hopeless. But when they call out to God, in verse 28, it says, They cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brings them out of their distress. In verse 9, He calms the storm so that its waves are still. And then they are glad because they are quiet in verse 30. So he guides them to their desired refuge, their desired haven. And so we find here that God, in the circumstance of a storm, in the circumstance of a whirling wind, in the circumstance of danger that is life-threatening, his love protects us. Now, if you summarize, many times when you think about love, when you think about God, these are Three words that maybe you have ascribed to him. Security, salvation, and safety. And when you look at verses 31 to 43, it's almost a rehashing of these three things when people are in the wilderness, when people are hungry, and they need a place to dwell in. 
and they have work that they want to be provided for and blessed. They look at this and then God intervenes. Now, what if I ask you, which among these three words, which among these three descriptions of God's love have you been focused on? Are you holding on to God's love for the security he provides? When we think about God, are we all about his blessing? Are we all about his provision? Or do we come to God because we think we need him, we need his forgiveness for our sins? Or do we come to God for the safety he protects us with, especially when we're living or we're, we're investing in high-risk experiences? I want to tell you, if you are journeying in the faith and you're not necessarily reflecting, and even if you are, our tendency is to just laser focus in on one dimension of God's love. Oftentimes, maybe one that we don't experience in other forms of love. You see, the reality of the human experience is when we talk about God and his love for us, he is not the only source of love that's out there. He is the only source of love out there that truly can give us what we want. But because there's just so many alternatives, our hearts get swung from one source to another. And maybe if our hearts are drawn to security by something else, we gravitate towards that and just leave God with salvation. Sometimes when our hearts are drawn to salvation by something else, we gravitate towards that and maybe think about God as security. When our hearts are drawn somewhere else by safety, we think, okay, God may be all about just forgiveness of sin. And when this happens, we have a very skewed experience with what God's love is. And this is where many times the problem happens. Because when we only ascribe to God's love a particular angle, we easily simplify or generalize or dishonor him by thinking he is only about this shape or this category when he is about so much more. And so it's like we're only coming to him for one thing when he can give us at least these three things and even more than this. And so what we have is we're having relationship with so many other things for what? And soon, eventually, our hearts when it experienced this appointment from the non-godly loves that we give ourselves into, we get tired, we get upset, and it's good if we are brought back to God during this time, but the tendency is sometimes we just let go. That's why one of the most important verses in this psalm is the last one. Psalm 107 verse 43 says, Whoever is wise, whoever is wise, let him take note of these things. Let them consider the Lord's acts of loyal love. The whole psalm talked about praising God for his loyal love, but then it ends by a challenge that says, if you are wise, take note, consider the Lord's acts of loyal love. What is happening here? You know what is happening here is that the psalmist just presented all these facets of God's love. Security, salvation, safety. 
And then he says, you guys are not thinking about it enough. You guys are not considering it enough. You guys don't recognize the gravity of God's love enough to truly understand and be wise in it. So what does that mean? It means this. Let me ask you a straightforward question. When was the last time God's love mattered to you so much it shook you to the core? When was the last time God's love mattered to you so much it really impacted your life? The sad reality is sometimes, especially us Christians, we get used to hearing verses. We get used to hearing sermons that many times we're like, I know that already. Ah, that's only simple. We say, ah, that's only simple. It's only simply like this. Really? You really think it's just this simple, huh? You really think you can reduce everything to your own knowledge, to your own experience, to your own philosophy? Let's be careful to even consider that we have a firm grasp of God's love. Because even in the New Testament, the letters that talk about the desire to understand and grow in the height, the depths, the width of God's great love. There's so much more to know. There's so much more to understand. There's so much more to experience. Stop thinking that you know. Because this is exactly what the psalm is saying. You think you know about God's love, but you haven't really considered it enough. And it it's wise, it's wise to know that you don't know. So stop pretending, stop thinking that you know, because look at what, where it's cost you. You know those people who know, those people who think they know and they're too proud about it? They're some of the most miserable people in the world. I would know because sometimes I look at myself and I'm like, wow, I'm so sad. And the more I think about things, I'm more like, I can drag people into it. So the Lord has used so many things in my life to humble me, to crush me, to make me fall down on my knees, only for me to just come back to Him. And it's worth it. But many times, you know what? You know why the love of God does not penetrate our hearts? Because we built walls. We built walls to protect us. We think we've built walls to protect us because when we wall ourselves in, we think we're secure. We think we're not going to get hurt. We think we're not going to get disappointed. But what you only did is you built walls to isolate yourself. You build walls and now in the perceived security of your walled self, you're alone. You're alone. And that's why you might think you're safe. You might think you're secure, but you're getting miserable every day. And that's really sad. And I pray that this psalm wakes you up, wakes you up that you, if you think you're wise, consider these things, consider the Lord's acts of loyal love. And let me end with this proof of God's love. Many times we're like, oh, show me the proof. Many times we're like, to cease to believe. Many times we're like, ah, I already know this. But do you really know? How does God prove his act of loyal love? Yes, there's all these acts. For those who are wandering in the desert, he created the home. When they were just destined to be threatened and die in the desert, God provided a promised land to those who have sinned and have gone astray. 
it's only right for them to go to prison, only right for them to suffer for their mistake because they rebelled against God. But what happened? God broke off their chains. Those making money off the seas, they think they're wise enough to do trade, but then storms happen and crushes them. But God delivers them from these things. There's nothing in this world that is ever really secure. And that's why we need to understand God's love even more today. And you know what the proof? The psalm is so full of gospel truth because it talks so much about the reversal. It talks so much about the reversal. If you have your Bibles, it's better to look at this because this is really good stuff. Psalm 107. In verse 2, it says, that The redeemed of the Lord says so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. There's an enemy. We have an enemy. And people are wandering and they have no city to dwell in. They can easily be picked and isolated and taken away. But God provides a place for them. Creation, right? Verse 11. These people who God secured, they rebelled against the words of God. They despised the counsel of the Most High. They sinned. And therefore, they were put in chains. Now what happens? In verse 16, he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. The punishment that they deserve, the sentence that they deserve, God cut it. And in verse 29, it says he calms the storm so that its waves are still. And they are glad because they are quiet. These people who God saved, they sinned, yet God cut through their chains. These people who tried to do the business on their own, they experienced a storm and God calmed it and everything was silent and they were happy. Well, many times we think about love, many times we think about security and we all think about ourselves. But God, what do you think it cost him to do these acts of love? Where we are so scattered and dispersed, we need a home. God, when he loved us, sent Jesus Christ, who is all up there safe as the Prince of Heaven. He left that home for us. Many of us dream of a house. Many of us want a home. God left his home. He went into a foreign earth, an alien nation, alien from heaven. And he came and became like us, in order to prove his love to those who need a home, God left his home. And these people who sinned, they went into their sentence. They were chained. And that's the natural law. Bad people should be imprisoned. But God freed them from prison. How? He cut through their chains. How do you think our chains, our bondage, were cut? How do you think the punishment that is reserved for us was displaced. God had to experience the punishment himself. We needed a home. God left his home. We needed to be free from punishment. God had to experience the punishment that we deserve through the punishment of Jesus Christ, his son. And lastly, we think, oh, we should be happy when everything is peaceful and quiet. What do you think won our peace? What won our peace when Jesus Christ was on the cross and though he wanted to hear the Father's voice so bad, there was silence. 
that momentary silence between God the Father and His Son was so cosmic and unthinkable that it wins for us the peace in our hearts. There is no greater proof of God's love than the person of Jesus Christ. This is the good news. This is the greatest story of love that we can ever have, where God reverses all things through his son, blows our mind with his love, and proves it to us. This is why no matter what we face today, no matter what we face tomorrow, we can always look back and know for sure that God loves us. He will secure us. He will save us. And he'll supply our needs. Would you like to experience this God of love today? This God who loves us. The Messiah has come. He wants nothing more than a relationship with you. To restore that beautiful connection he has designed us for. So I don't know about you, but this life can get tiring. This life, it can be overwhelming. But the good news of the gospel is how the Messiah has come. The answer to that question, could you be Messiah? Jesus answers yes. And if you want to respond to him, I invite you to pray with Dear Jesus, thank you for your great love that you displayed on the cross. Thank you that you want a relationship with us. And we ask that we can experience this not only today, but every day. May we have a growing, intimate relationship with you. So that whatever happens, Lord, good or bad, in this life, in this world, we can carry on with us, our hearts, our minds, our souls secure in you. We praise you for your great acts of love. We praise you for your life. And we ask that you will be with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.